This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here, and we've got another great show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to be looking at business tips. Today, we're looking at improving your efficiency. So important in these challenging times. We're also talking with John Cayley from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre about the value of business training and the power that it can have in your business. But right now, we're going to talk with David Sheeran from WorkCover about rewarding your safe workplace. Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Julie, and good afternoon to your listeners. Thank you once again for joining us. Um, David, the annual Work Cover Safe Awards are coming up again. Can you tell us something a bit about those? Yes, Julian, I certainly can. The 2009 Safe Work Awards are now open for entries. Um, the purpose of the awards is to recognise organisations and individuals who go the extra mile and, and, and lead the way to, to, towards a safer workplace. Uh, this year we've made it much easier for businesses to enter. Uh, we've brought forward the opening and closing dates for entries so they don't run into that busy end-of-year time for employers, particularly small businesses with limited resources. So entries will close this year on May the 25th, and the entry form for small businesses is easier too, with only three questions to answer. We're also encouraging all businesses to enter online this year, and all they need to do is just download the entry form, fill it in, and upload it. So are these uh, awards popular? Do many businesses enter them? What sort of businesses do you have? Well, Julian, the businesses um, uh, are diversified, of course, and many and varied. The awards have continued to grow in popularity since they were started some six years ago. Uh, last year, for example, they attracted a record 121 entries. WorkCover is hoping to top that record this year, and all types of businesses can enter. However, we do recognise that the largest number of businesses in New South Wales are small businesses, so they have a whole category dedicated to themselves. But to answer your question, we receive entries from the biggest to the smallest. Size doesn't really matter. It's the innovative approach to workplace safety we want to hear about, however big or small the business or the innovation. So you're talking about innovation. What are the innovations or safety initiatives that you receive for the awards? Can you give us some examples? I certainly can, Julian, and you'd be amazed by the diversity and the uh, inventiveness of the entries uh, we receive. They range from uh, Newcastle state-owned Araring Energy Corporation, which won two of the highest awards last year and is in the running now for the National Safe Work Australia Awards in Canberra this year, um, to a small hotel at Foster, which also won a major award last year. Probably the most unusual entry to date was uh, a special heavy-duty sling designed by Taronga Western Plain Zoo, to safely move their 1,100 kilogram black rhino. So that's quite interesting indeed. So uh, innovation is, is one of the key uh, things that's judged in, the, in these awards? Um, yes, innovation um, certainly is an important aspect. Um, and one of those, the things about innovation is that it can be something that's quite simple, um, such as uh, one of the clients I had last year who uh, entered the awards by simply purchasing a steam clean, cleaning device uh, after consulting their staff, which led to a reduction in manual handling issues associated with the activities and also eliminated the need to use chemicals. So something as simple as that to something as, um, uh, as complicated as perhaps a uh, safety management system in a larger organisation. Yes, it's amazing some of these uh, innovations that people come up with. I was watching the inventors the other night and uh, a guy had invented this very simple, almost like a crowbar with a lift that lifts the uh, um, 
wiring that you put down under uh, uh, concrete to reinforce the concrete and it has to be lifted and put onto little uh, um, hats and uh, he invented this crowbar which prevented him from having to bend over and physically lift it and I mean the crowbar would have only cost him about $20 to make so those innovations are fantastic sometimes aren't they? They are fantastic, and um, as you've indicated, they can actually be um, right under your nose, so to speak, mm. um, such as a crowbar, and that would obviously reduce the amount of manual handling uh, for those uh, uh, those concreters, I would suspect, um, if we're talking about Rio and concrete. Yeah. Um, so as a consequence, something as simple as that can actually save the company a significant amount of money at the end of the day. Of course. So, so what if I'm running a very busy company? Of course, time's a mon- money. Why should I enter? What's in it for me? Okay, well, look, there are benefits of entering the Safe Work Awards, um, as well as well as increasing the company's profile and credibility. Um, it can also lead to entrants gaining a competitive edge through the experience, changing the way it operates as well, and even increasing sales. Now, an example of that would be the Dorsal Boutique Hotel. Now, four years ago, they invented a bedlifting system which eliminated back injuries suffered by housekeeping staff. They entered it uh, for the Safe Work Awards and won the best solution to an identified workplace health and safety issue award. Now, from that, they have painted it, uh, patented this homegrown idea and are now selling the invention to hotels around the world. So that's, uh, that's exceptional. So uh, winning these awards, do they get publicised well so people know that the organisations have won them? Um, they, there's two outcomes. One is that we cover them in our, um, uh, on our website and we also cover them in the Work Cover News. Um, the other thing is, is if they are a winner, they then go into the, uh, uh, Safe Work Awards, uh, the National Safe Work Awards. So they certainly get some coverage from that. Okay, David. So if a business wants to enter, how do they do it? What's the process next? Well, one of the good things is, as I mentioned earlier, we've, we've greatly simplified the process this year. All of the, um, the business needs to do is download an entry form from www.safeworkawards.com.au, fill it in and upload it before 5pm on Monday, the 25th of May. Now, if the businesses have any queries, they can call the Safe Work Awards hotline on 02 4421 or they can call WorkCover's general information number on 131050. And the winners will be announced at a gala awards dinner at Rosehill Gardens Grand Pavilion on October the 28th. Always nice to have those big uh, gala award events at the end, isn't it? Well, one of the good things about that is that there's quite a lot of people that attend those events. And, um, you know, I think that there's, there's recognition there alone mm. from those other businesses. Well, thanks very much, David. Uh, We'll talk to you again another time on another subject. Thank you, Julian. Thanks for your time, and I'd just like to wish your uh, listeners a safe and happy day. Thank you. That was David Sheeran from WorkCover talking about rewarding your safe workplace and go for those awards. They, They will look good on your wall, and, of course, you never know where that may lead to. Well, now we're crossing over to John Cayley from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre. This afternoon we're going to talk with him about business training. Good afternoon, John. Afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you once again for joining us. Um, last week we were talking about a, a program, a, a business checkpoint program, where you're going in and looking at businesses and uh, working out where their perhaps their, their shortcomings are, their deficiencies are. And one of the things we identified was uh, maybe uh, businesses need a bit of extra training. So uh, obviously business training is very important to businesses. Absolutely. Uh, 
and it's something that's been neglected for some time now. A, a lot of staff have come on board with a minimum amount of training uh, and following practices probably need a bit of rejigging. So going back and, and well, getting people involved more in business training now is really critical to you know, the, the future of those businesses. So uh, what sort of areas do you think businesses need training in? Uh, there's a number. Uh, let me start. First of all, looking at a business, uh, if you're working within a business, often the systems are a bit rusty. So a bit of training uh, around uh, business management systems, you know, the processes, operational, the way business, uh, their operational uh, processes and procedures. These things, if, if, if staff can go out and get some independent training somewhere and come back and apply that knowledge to the business, there will be significant business improvement, say, in the systems area. There's a, a need, I always think, an ongoing need for sales training because as good as you can be, you always start to get into some minor bad habits with sales, so that's, mm. that's very important. Mm. Uh, customer service is another one. Uh, the longer you're in a role, the more, I guess, uh, you become used to doing, you do things by second nature, and often you're not thinking while you're doing things and you start getting into bad habits again, so customer service is vital. And I think, as I mentioned last week, in the area of customer service, I think there's a lot of people that are in positions where they're providing customer service that haven't had training, uh, you know, good formal training that, that helps them do their job so much better and make the customers happy. So that's another area. Uh, a lot of people have been promoted without any training in, in how to supervise and manage other people. And, you know, this... <laughs> That, that is a critical area of, of getting training in because it's so easy to put your foot wrong. You've moved up a level. You've moved probably away from your peers and above them. And you, you're trying to deal with them in such a way that uh, you're not one of them anymore and often they resent that. So if you get a bit of training in that, it's a very smooth transition going up from the floor, if you like, to a more supervisory position. So you've mentioned a couple of areas there which uh, I think, I agree with you, are very badly neglected, and, and that is customer service and sales. Um, do you think that uh, businesses, organisations these days are really saying, A, I don't have the time to do it, and B, I don't have the money? I think there's, there's both of those, but I think as well during the good times we are having the success, so therefore we don't need to do the training. Mm. If we did the training, you know, we're only wasting money by doing that because we're doing well anyway. Why mm. bother? Because I, I don't know whether you, you've noticed, but I've noticed particularly in a lot of the uh, the fast food type organisations where training used to be paramount. They used to put them exhaustively through training their young people. And some of them I'm going into these days, it's obvious that there's been very little or no training you know, I was in a one of the pizza places the other night and there was a young girl there, she couldn't have been much more than 13, sloppily dressed, had absolutely no idea how to address a customer. Yeah. This is, again, the drop-in standards because of, you know, we've been in good economic times, everything's yeah. rolling along smoothly, standards drop, training drops away, you know, getting people to understand how they need to appear in a business, how they need to deal with customers and so on, it's so important. And if you don't train people, if you know, again, the management's probably not being trained and reminded of the importance of this sort of stuff. Well, that's it. I think you hit on the third level there, was uh, people get promoted without absolutely no 
training on how to to deal with people and therefore the only way they can deal with them is the way they've been dealt with by managers in the past. Exactly, exactly. And it becomes, you know, it becomes, it's an ever-decreasing circle, if I can put it that way, and eventually those businesses disappear down the plug hole, if I can put it that way. Yeah, so uh, so is it important that this be accredited training or is it something where, where, where sort of just little how-to workshops can be done? Depends on what it is, but you know, accredited training is always good because for the individual, it, it, it's evidence of uh, you know, accreditation, if you like, training that's, that's nationally accredited. So that's always good for an individual. For a company, uh, not as important at times because you, know, you can often develop training packages that are very much tailored for a specific company that don't necessarily fit some form of accreditation, but they're very, very good for the company. So it's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks very much for your time again, John. Um, Next week, I think we're going to be talking about the value of using business specialists. Yes, it's a very interesting subject, and and, and they're seriously undervalued. Yeah. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that one very much. Thank you very much. Well, We'll talk with you next week. Thanks very much, Julian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was John Coley from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre helping us to focus on the power of business training and what's your staff like? Maybe you need to have a look at them. Well, now it's time for our business tips and today we're looking at how to become more efficient. In these challenging times when we seem to be working very, very hard and maybe not making the uh, the dollars that we should be doing, it's time for us not to be chasing our tails but to be a bit more focused on our efficiency. And here's a few tips from the Winner's Journal of New York that might help us. Number one is to satisfy your physical needs before settling down to work. In other words, just make sure you're comfortable, that you're sitting uh, properly and uh, everything you need is within your reach. Number two is make sure you have all the tools necessary to complete your tasks. How hard it is to start looking for things that might be hidden under other papers or just that little piece of information is missing. Make sure it's all there before you start. Number three, make a list of the things you must do and in the order of urgency. Sometimes it's very easy to to slip down and do some of the tasks that are easy to do rather than the urgent ones that are important to do. Number four is to delegate those functions which can be completed by others. Sometimes we work so hard and others are are, uh, sitting there waiting for work to do. Let's put some of that uh, work their way and make sure that uh, everybody is working towards completing a task. Number five is tackle the most urgent function first. And number six, concentrate on the task at hand and block out external interference That's important, especially with phone calls and people knocking on the office door. Tell them that you're not available for the next hour or so while you focus on that task at hand because it takes twice as long to rethink when someone has interrupted you and you've got to look at something again. Take regular breaks and vary the chores to maintain your enthusiasm. Things become a little bit boring. We can stop and have a rest, have a break, do something and then come back to it. Number eight is don't socialise when there's work to be done. It's very easy to to, uh, go off and have a chat with someone when we really know we should be getting that job done and, of course, we don't feel good afterwards if we haven't made it happen. Number nine is learn what atmosphere you work best in and work in that atmosphere. 
Some people like to work early in the morning, some people like to work late in the afternoons or even the evenings. What is the best time of day? What is the best environment? In other words, what's the best atmosphere for you? And number 10, above all else, be positive and proactive. Once we start to feel a little bit down, a bit negative and uh, take our focus off things, we will start to find that we're being less efficient. And of course, with the, the newspapers and the radio and the information in there at the moment, it can cause us to be a little bit despondent. I suggest we don't even look at those uh, news at the moment. Focus on getting your business happening and be more efficient at it. Thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We spoke with David Sheeran from WorkCover about rewarding your safe workplace. We've also spoken with John Cayley from the Lake Macquarie Business Centre about some business training and that little business tip on improving your efficiency. Next week, we're going to discuss Australian apprenticeships with Kerry Lee Mitchell from The Mission Australia. We'll also chat with John Cayley from our sponsors about the value of using business specialists and a business tip that will overcome It's Not My Job. I'd love your company again next Thursday at the same time for business, the law and you. Remember, focus your passion on your vision.